conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. 12 minutes past five in the final hour of Beyond the Headlines. Go get in for Aldrin St. Pierre. It's time for our inner view. Uh, 2024 is here and a lot has been said about the upcoming national and provincial elections with some political parties even saying that 2024 is our 1994. But how true is this assertion and what's the, the current state of affairs in relation to our politics? Which political parties are likely to dominate our political sphere this year. Are we likely to witness a surprise and who are going to be the main players or the kingmakers in this year's political calendar? For more on this, we're joined by um, two of one of my favorites analysts. I'm not even going to lie. Asanda Nguasheng joins us as well as Professor Ntikilelo Breakfast. Uh, as a start, Asanda, good afternoon to you and Happy New Year. Good afternoon and thank you for having me. Happy New Year. Thank you very much. Professor Nzigalelo Breakfast, um, also with us, Director of the Center for Security, Peace and Conflict Resolution. Khrodman, good afternoon. Um, compliments of the season to you, uh, to Asanda and to your um, audience. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much. Um, I deliberately asked the team to play the song by Stimela, Who's Fooling Who? Because I believe at least at this time of the year, leading up to the elections, there's a lot of introspection that we need to uh, take as, as, as the electorate in analyzing uh, the various political parties. And maybe starting with you, Asanda, the responsibility that we have as the electorate entering what will be one of the, the most busiest, if not chaotic, electioneering campaigns that we've witnessed in a while? Well, I think the first thing is for people to to be responsible with their vote. And that means essentially choosing the political party that they believe has the best ability to deliver, um, you know, the, the best outcomes for them and their families their com- and their communities and, of course, um, their country, most importantly. And I think, you know, what's been really interesting about this election is that we're seeing a lot of political parties. When I last checked, you know, there was talk of up to 500 uh, people on the list, if you consider the political parties and the independent candidates. And that's a lot of people to wade through. But I think, you know, that's just a sign of a democracy that is maturing, considering that we are no longer a teenager. We haven't been a teenager in a while. We're now 30 years, firmly 30 years post, uh, post-apartheid. post And so we are looking at, you know, thinking through what could South Africa look like for the next 30 years. Apartheid still looming large and, you know, in many people's minds, but not as large as it did 10 years ago, as it did 20 years ago. And so... You know, the ANC will, you know, be getting a little bit anxious, a little bit, a little bit uh, you know, itchy considering that, you know, its biggest kind of reminder of, of, of us is that it liberated us from um, from apartheid seems to be moving further and further away from, from people's minds. And of course, mm. you now have the MK who has done a very interesting thing of, uh, you know, leaving us all confused about are they supporting the ANC? Are they not? Are they collaborating? And what exactly is happening? And leaving us also with question marks even around Jacob Zuma. Is he going to support the ANC um, in its electoral campaign? Is he not? 
um, and also throwing, you know, a few people who belong to the Patriotic Alliance and various other parties, um, you know, under the bus as well, with some being fired from the political parties for appearing um, in the MK launch. So there's a lot of interesting stuff um, that's happening. And it, I think everybody's on, on their tenterhooks, both in terms of the ANC, which has the potential to lose some votes to a lot of the smaller parties. But also, I think, in terms of the smaller parties, who also stand to lose um, their vote to lose their votes and actually become absolute. I'm thinking here of parties like uh, the UDM, who at yeah. the last uh, election in 2021 got 0.52% of the vote, meaning that if you know they don't, if people don't show up for them, they 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 run the risk of uh, dying out as a party and no longer existing. We're getting into specifics, and and I want to uh, go there as well in a bit. Asandang Washeng is our guest. We're also joined by uh, Ntikilelo Breakfast in our interview, exploring um, our reality ahead of the elections. And and I do want to make time in, in talking about certain political parties, but um, Ntikilelo Breakfast, in talking about Asanda already mentioning the number of parties and individuals, and they are going to be campaigning for us. There are the existing ones that have been there for a number of years, those that have since emerged, such as MK, and I'm sure there'll be others that will emerge. In looking at this large number of political parties vying for our votes, is it good for democracy or do we have too much to choose from that in turn can also on some level dilute what can be done? Uh, on a lighter note, you know, there's a saying that says we will never know whether we have a democracy or not until the losers of a democracy accept that they've lost. Mm. Uh, so I think that time has um, arrived. <laughs> you know, some people say that um, this year is going to be like uh, 1994. Fortunately, in 1994, I was around even though I was still young, but I was able to read the political uh, situation. Um, so these elections will be quite um, interesting, um, but it's quite clear in my opinion, I don't want to sound like a prophet of doom that the possibility that the ANC uh, might lose power is not uh, far-fetched. I think that has been uh, compounded by a number of factors. One of them is what uh, Asanda um, uh, pointed out, the issue of uh, Msholozi. Uh, I think that is a nail um, uh, in the coffin. Uh, but mm. there are also other challenges, like, for instance, um, uh, the performance of our um, uh, economy, um, uh, power outages. I mean, on social media, it was like a joke, you know, when the story broke that we we were going to have power outages again, uh, given the fact that they have been uh, suspended over um, the festive season. Uh, But of course, we have a a slow pace of service uh, delivery. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the the, the challenges are endless, you know, um, in this country. Uh, so, so I think it's quite clear in my opinion that the ANC, uh, I can confidently say this, they will be below 50%. Uh, in fact, they can even be below 45%. Uh, even themselves, they've um, acknowledged that. That's why there have been some discussions around uh, ways and means of having uh, power uh, sharing. That is a realization that they accept that they are on the back foot. 
We're talking about the future prospects of the country, looking at the, the, the political picture ahead of the local, the national and provincial elections. My guests, Asanda Nwasheng and Ntsikilalo Breakfast. In going into the specifics, Asanda Ntsikilalo already, um, you know, throwing his bones on the table and giving us a sense of what his ancestors, his ancestors say about the future of the ANC. But let's talk about the ANC. It, it, it is a, probably what will be one of the most difficult uh, elections that they've had to contest. And there is um, a lot uh, that has gone wrong in the country. I remember a caller in the previous hour sending us a WhatsApp voice note in describing uh, the, the ANC government saying, plan. Uh, your take on the ANC, the, the mountain that they have ahead of them uh, to possibly retain the majority. Well, I mean, I think, you know, the, the ANC is always, for me, uh, a very tricky one to to analyze from a perspective of will they or won't they win the elections. And and the reason is, you know, for is, is, is one that, you know, people kind of spoke to jokingly when talking about the song of the year. You know, you heard people saying, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody believes that this is their favorite song and everybody goes, you know, talks about this favorite song, except when it comes time to vote, um, people of a certain province um, rally their troops and they, you know, they they put shoulder to the wheel and they get the numbers. And so this is always where people kind of uh, get things wrong when it comes to the ANC. There is a sense in which the ANC, no matter how much corruption, no matter how, how you know, deplorable their leadership is, and no matter how dismal, you know, people's views and perspectives are of the ANC, they keep coming back and they keep winning elections. And, you know, I, I always kind of like to go back to the numbers. So in 2019, you have an ANC that was sitting at 57%. And then in, 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 in 2021, you have an ANC that was sitting at 45 point uh, at 45 plus percent and you know this is this is important because they technically lost the election the the municipal election but they won the national election the last national Mm. election and sometimes people make the mistake of misinterpreting what happens at local government elections for what is going to happen at national elections because the mentality of people and the voting strategies that people use when it comes to local government will my rubbish be picked up um you know will i have whatever municipal services I'm looking for is a completely different question to um, will BEE and affirmative action be abolished? Mm. Um, will, you know, free education uh, via the, via the, the NESFES and, 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 and even though it, it, it's still not enough, be a reality for South African citizens? So when people have to ask national questions, the answer is different to when people have to ask questions around their day-to-day lives. And I think that this is something that we must always kind of keep at the back of our mind. And, and I say this particularly because the as we get closer and closer to election, the Democratic Alliance, which is officially, you know, the, the, the biggest um, opposition party, always makes this mistake of talking about how far or how close they are to the ANC while forgetting that, you know, the psychology of the South African voter is that in fact, most elections in South Africa have not been about um, you know, choosing the different parties. They have been about whether I am voting for or I am voting against the ANC. And so in essence, what we've seen is that even when people do not vote for the ANC and they give their vote to the EFF, for
for example, who got a lot of votes when Jacob Zuma was in power, which were protest votes, which, you yeah. know, 2020, 2024 is going to tell us, can they keep those protest votes now that, you know, Jacob Zuma is out of power and, well, and, and so on and so forth. And so uh, it's going well, to take that, a lot in terms of, yeah. Let's look at what it will take. And take a little breakfast. Asanda already touching on 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 the mm-hmm. DA, and of course we saw um, the aftermath of of the 2019 elections, the the, the removal mm-hmm. of Musi Maimani, and the narrative at the mm-hmm. time that the DA has lost votes mm-hmm. to the Freedom Front Plus. And there's been a lot of mm-hmm. changes since then. Yeah, Even recently, yeah. questions being asked around whether or not John Steenhazen is the man uh, to yeah. lead the DA, or could we possibly see another possible what happened with Mampele Rampele experiment ahead of the elections. But for you, your your take on the, the prospects of the DA ahead of 2024 results. Yeah, I mean, if 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 if, if you look at the state of affairs of uh, opposition parties in this country, um, it doesn't look good because of the fragmentation of the political um, environment. And Unfortunately or fortunately, that gives the ANC an upper hand because if you have a fragmented, um, you know, opposition, then 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 you're giving a, the ruling party an upper hand, despite the fact that it might not be doing a good job in terms of promoting development for um, uh, all and sundry. Mm. Uh, but as Asanda pointed out that the DA has not done the way it should have in the previous general um, uh, elections for the first time actually they were dealt with a blow in 2019 because if you look at their history of electoral uh, performance you know since the the time of 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 them being known as the da i mean a, a dp a, a, as a precursor to um, a, the da they have been on an upward electoral uh, a trajectory so it, it, it's it's only for the first time in 2019 that they were dealt with a blow. But now there has been also, I would say, a change of heart in terms of their philosophical outlook or in terms of their posture. Because now, sometimes I get the sense that, and, and I, I know some people might get upset with me, there, there is a tendency to employ, you know, the concept of non-racialism to block transformation because mm. if you say you are um a, a non-racialist it means that you're colorblind now what is the meaning of that you don't support racial uh, categorization meaning that you don't support um uh, the implementation of a triple be you don't support uh, employment equity act meaning that basically you don't support transformation and that line of thinking doesn't sit well with the majority of black people Despite yeah. the fact that they might be unhappy with the performance of um, the ANC, but that doesn't mean that I must stress this. That doesn't mean that because a lot of black people are unhappy with the posture of the DA, therefore they will vote for the ANC. I think some of them might um, make a decision to stay away from the polls instead of voting for. That's why, for instance, there yes. has been um, a turnout of late that is very low uh, during a. Uh, elections 
Um, and and we, did, we, do, so, we did witness that with the 2016 local government elections. I'm going to take advantage of both of you uh, to push uh, beyond um, the sports news at, at 5.30. But I have to ask uh, Asanda, just coming back to the options that exist. And we also saw the EFF, if, if one were to just draw from uh, what Nzigelo spoke of, people staying away from uh, the, the polls, especially with the uh, local government elections of 2016, there was somewhat of a benefit for the EFF and the fortunes or the prospects for the EFF this time around. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think that I think the EFF has done a very good job of um, of getting particularly young people um, really interested in politics and, and, and passionate about politics in a way that a lot of political parties have failed or been unable to do. And I think that, you know, that's one of its staying powers. However, I think, you know, their stance on immigration didn't sit well with a lot of people. And the fact that they have incorporated former members of the RT faction in the ANC, who, you know, were known to be the, the most corrupt section of the ANC, also isn't going to sit well with many people who, as I said, voted for the EFF as a protest vote against Jacob Zuma when he was the president of the ANC. And I think for me, what's also interesting is, you know, I've been listening and hearing people talk about the MK and everybody is convinced that the MK is going to be the number one, kind of the, 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 the person who's going to lose the most from a development of an MK would be a, 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 an ANC. Uh, whereas actually... Yes, the ANC might lose some votes, but the people who are going to lose the most are all those other smaller parties that benefit from people protest voting against the mm. ANC. And so this MK might capture that kind of base. And I think, you know, I, I think that if I if I was going to be running this election, which I've seen some political parties do, like Rise and Zanzi and various others, I would focus on the unregistered. I would focus on those who have not voted before, whether you know it's young people who are just recently voting or those who didn't see a point in voting because the major, the, there's a large number of South Africans who sit with the ability to vote but haven't been voting. That is the only way, if you want to take up the ANC, that you can, you're going to be able to take up the ANC by focusing on those people because the ANC in a country of 66 million... Of course, you know, registered voters are less than that, but in a country of 66 million, only got 10 million votes. And so if you can focus on those who have not registered or have not voted before, those who have felt apathetic about the political system and somehow get them passionate enough to rejoin, you know, and to and to conduct their civic duty of voting, then you stand a good chance of actually potentially kicking out the ANC. But for as long as you have South Africans sitting, being apathetic, and uh, whether it's a protest vote against the ANC and the current status quo or whatever the situation is, we are not right. going to move the needle that far. And I'm going to have to push the needle to get to sport. But uh, please, uh, Sandang Washing and Tsigilalo uh, um, Breakfast, stay with us on Beyond the Headlines. There's a couple of calls and comments and questions uh, that we are getting in as we explore the future prospects of the country uh, beyond the 2024, leading up to and beyond the 2024 elections. We've covered, of course, the main three parties, but there are others. Asanda mentioning Rizam Zanzi, there is MK, there are many others. Uh, this whole murmuring of the political 
political party around Roger Jardine. What does it all mean? There is the PA who today were on the banks of the Limpopo River uh, stopping what they say, stopping people from crossing over illegally into the country. With these other political parties, um, what does their presence and positions and policies present uh, for the country moving forward? 086-000-2032 will get to your calls. For now, though, Duming Kapel has got the latest sports news. Koketso Sachane on SAFM. Thank you very much. To me, much appreciated. The next Sports Bulletin tomorrow morning on SAFM Sunrise. We continue and conclude our conversation. This is really me taking liberties with these two individuals. Asanda Sheng, political analyst, and Nsikilalo Breakfast, um, who... We've been exploring um, the question around whether the upcoming elections present an opportunity to decide on a new path for South Africa. Uh, there are a number of voice notes and even calls on this. Again, Asanda and Nsikilalo, um, thank you very much for your time. Uh, let's run through. And you are, I still have both of you still with us, yes? Of course. I thank can you, confirm that you. I'm still with you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Let's run through some of the voice notes because I do want to make sure as part of the conclusion of our conversation that there are other parties to speak to. There are the so-called smaller parties that we must mention and uh, their prospects and the impact that they must they might have or will have um, at these elections. But these are your voice notes um, following the conversations that we've had thus far. Afternoon, SFM listeners. Here's my two cents worth. Whether you like it or not, EFF is the party to beat. Whether EFF is going to come in second or third place, EFF is the party to beat. The old people will tell you about EFF and how disrespectful they are. The youth will tell you they want to vote for the EFF. Everybody's talking about the EFF. Who's trending on Twitter and Facebook? EFF. Who's DA campaigning against? EFF. Who's ANC campaigning against EFF? Who are the callers campaigning against EFF? Everybody's gunning for EFF. Masaba, he and, 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 and his Mickey Mouse party all the time is on Twitter. EFF, it's him and EFF. Everybody's gunning for the EFF. So clearly, whether EFF comes in second, comes in third, or maybe by some miracle even first, but they're the party to beat. Okay, so good day. Yes, if uh, the mission is not achieved, you need to change the guard. Um, so we've been listening to the ANC, trying to be patient with it for 30 years. ANC has lost its original mission, that of the land question. So it has lost that. Um, it prides itself on, 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 on social cushioning of its citizens while people are not employed, while crime is skyrocketing. Um, so there's nothing more that we can listen from the ANC. It has failed. Um, only a fool that can listen and think that it can do things better than what it has done. So the only answer that we have is uh, the MK, because the MK has one and one uh, mission only. Uh, that is to go and claim our land. Malema is talking that language but he dilutes that with the issue of foreign nationals. We don't need foreign nationals that are infiltrating our country. Our country is being destroyed day in, day out because of that. Um, so uh, Malema is out of question. Uh, the ANC is really out of question. Um, the only answer that we have is MK and all those parties that are putting South Africans first.
good afternoon, SAFM. Uh, I think the ALC, not as per se, they have the longest mountain to climb. Actually, they created that mountain for themselves. So it's difficult to 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 to, to, to climb something that you know there's danger ahead. So ANC is yeah, themselves are the they are the ones who must blame themselves because they are slowly and slowly getting shattered because of the things and decisions that they take around corruption in SA. Skeletal from Devon. Thank you very much for your voice notes, and we will conclude with our guests. And starting with Asanda. Asanda, we did touch on the big three parties, but of course we have the Patriotic Alliance, we have MK, we have... um, uh, yeah, I was going to say um, but it's action Say a number of political parties that will and should and probably will have an impact on, on what happens um, with the uh, 2024 um, election results who are you looking at as a possible call it kingmaker or disruptor or even outright winner well, I think for for me, I don't I don't like to look at so I like to look at things from a, a kind of macro perspective. So I I look at what is happening within the system, right? Because that's more important than necessarily who the individual winners or losers will be. So for me, what's important is that South Africa is in a position where our democracy is democratizing. We're in a position where, you know, there's 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 room for a diversity of voices and views, which is so important for a country like South Africa that is so diverse. And there's a decentralization of power because for far too long, the ANC has been, you know, their biggest voice. And there's no problem with that if most South Africans agree to that. But once you have the lowest voter turnout and your, um, in your majority is based on a minority Majority of a majority, then you've got a problem. And so what we're seeing now with the many political parties entering the space, with the independent candidates that are coming up, because we mustn't forget the independent candidates that are due at least, you know, that they can compete for at least half of that parliament. And so we mustn't forget them in our analysis because they are also going to take many, many votes from both the ANC and from the opposition parties. And I think, you know, we're likely to see an increase in in votes for the EFF. Definitely, they're likely to be um, the kingmaker, in my opinion. And I think we're going to see a decrease in the DA because this is a national election. And as I've said, the policy, when you look at the policies of the DA, they are not policies that the majority of South Africans agree with, uh, particularly when it comes to issues of redressing um, you know, the wrongs of the past via affirmative action, um, you know, BE and all the various other platforms that are there in order to undo the legacy of apartheid. And the DA kind of takes an approach of burying its head in the sand and pretending like we're all starting off on a clear slate. And that's the one thing that's going to really destroy them. And I think, you know, Part, political parties like the Freedom Front Plus, they really have an overstated importance because they literally from 2021, from 2019 and 2021, they stayed the same, 2.4%. And they're not likely to grow because 
also their policies are not the kind of policies that are going to appeal to black people who are the majority of this country. Um, mm. And I think, you know, that's when I get really fascinated by the kind of policy decisions that people make and the kind of conversations that people engage in. Because ultimately, to win an election in South Africa, you have to appeal to a wide enough range of black people. So right. even if no white person voted in South Africa, the election of South Africa is determined by black people because we are 80% plus. And that's why everybody looks at who are black people supporting and who are black people wanting to vote for, because that's the determinant in a black country like South Africa. Right. Take a little breakfast. Your thoughts on these other parties and even, as Asanda reminded us, uh, the independent candidates' prospects or impact. If the turnout is high, uh, it will benefit the ANC because I think the majority of people still support the ANC, even though they feel let down by the um, ANC. But if the turnout is low, then it will affect the ANC um, uh, negatively. But the worst part of it is that if people don't vote because they are protesting or in opposition to what the ANC is doing, Oxalaya or the fact uh, remains, they are going to get a government that others have voted for. So they might as well vote. Um, but with regard to opposition parties, I think the EF, I, I agree with the argument that the EFF might improve its uh, electoral performance. But I don't think that in as much... Look, the EFF has done very well, you know, since they rose to uh, prominence, you know, 2014 against the background of uh, Marcana. They got 6%. They uh, doubled up their efforts in the second cycle of their participation in 2019. They got 12 a percent so i think that percentage will go up but i want to be fair and square to the da i don't think that the eff will replace the da as the official uh, opposition i think the da will remain them because the advantage of the da is that yes the eff i mean is doing very well uh but the 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 audience to which the message of the eff is pitched to is a bit narrow as opposed to that one of the DA. You know, because the DA is able to solicit votes from uh, the colored uh, population, from the white uh, population, from the black uh, population, maybe or, or on a small scale of late, uh, but it, it also from, from, from uh, the Indian uh, population, uh, as opposed to the EFF, which gets the majority of uh, its uh, votes from black people in the main so that's the advantage of the da but the eff will improve their electoral uh, performance but also there are other uh, new kids um on the block you know um uh, action sa patriotic alliance i think we must look out for them uh, also the independent uh, candidates even though they are on the back foot even though there have been some electoral uh, reforms uh, which uh, they are still biased towards uh, political um, uh, parties. But yeah, I think that's that's my um, uh, analysis. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you to you both, uh, Asanda Washing and Sigilalo Breakfast. Really appreciate it. It went longer than um, uh, expected, but of course, it's an important discussion. Anonymous in King Williamstown, I'm going to give you the last word on this. I know you've been patient, but the last word uh, in our interview. Um. Hello, Kekets, how are you? Very well, brother. 
Um, you get to have got um, uh, mainly a question more than the, the, the discussion in, in, in the independent, uh, in terms of the independent candidates. If one of the independent candidates gets more than 50%, and we know in, in currently in South Africa, the MPs vote in the president. So we vote in, as the public, we vote in the independent candidate to give him more than 50%. Mm. Will he go to the parliament with his own MPs to vote him in? And in terms of vote of no confidence, will the parliament initiate the vote of no confidence because we, the public, have voted in that person? Who's going to be in charge of the vote of no confidence? And will he go into the parliament with his own MPs? There's a lot that needs to be said, discussed, and looked at with independent candidates. I think what's going to happen is that um, if you have one independent candidate going in there, uh, securing a seat, maybe what you will have is a pooling of independent candidates if they secure enough seats to have somewhat of a of a voting block. Uh, and depending on the size of the voting block, uh, it will determine uh, what happens there. But there's also an allocation of seats for the independent versus political parties. So it's a lot that, that still needs to be um, explained as to exactly how it's going to work uh, once we have... Um, results uh, coming in. So um, we'll make sure that we have those conversations as well. Thank you very much.